0: Welcome to the Trusted Advisor Podcast brought to you by Iroquois Group. Iroquois is your trusted advisor in all things insurance. This week, you're listening to Charlie's Corner, a segment hosted by our very own Charlie Venus. We're back with Julian Dieter from CNA to discuss the current reinsurance marketplace and to learn in detail about CNA's middle market appetite. Julie, before you, you mentioned reinsurance and just to touch on that, you know, people know about reinsurance and they hear the word, but they really don't understand, or a lot of people don't understand, how reinsurance impacts your underwriting decisions and your pricing. Could you just quickly touch on that on in the current state of reinsurance market? Absolutely.
1: And um, you know, I'll start by saying that we must react to what's happening in the reinsurance community. Because you know, the vast majority of our portfolios um, across the commercial marketplace, whether it's CNA or, or our competition, you know, we purchase treaty reinsurance to reduce the volatility in our portfolios. And so those treaty reinsurance costs um, certainly are costs that we must absorb and you know, how we um, in, in turn pass those costs on to, to our customers. You know, we were already seeing a tightening of terms and conditions and cost on both the treaty and FAC side, even before the current pandemic. Um, So with the effects of the pandemic now weighing heavy on the reinsurance industry, Mm -hmm. there's going to be change. You know, all the treaty renewals, at least on the property side that that we have heard about, you know, certainly uh, through our broker partners and our reinsurance brokers that we work with, the vast majority of those treaty renewals are taking pandemic exclusions and significant cost increases. And so, you know, given, given the economics of our business, um, that certainly does impact pricing on individual risks. That, that treaty portion um, is, is a big player, but there's also what's happening in the facultative side of the market. So Dieter, do you want to talk a little bit about the fact side?
2: So the facultative market is really where our underwriters interact almost on a daily basis with our reinsurance partners. And um, there have been some trends that have really uh, firmed up over the past year plus, I would say. Uh, First of all, again, just to provide you some background, we typically only purchase facultative reinsurance on the property side, as well as automobile, and then we're warranted into the excess line. So we are not a purchase of facultative for general liability or for workers' compensation. But having said that, on the property side, the reinsurers are starting to avoid lower attachment points, where maybe a year, year and a half ago, we were able to secure capacity at low attachment points. What I mean by that is attachment points below five million per risk um, that is getting increasingly difficult. Um, You know, typically anything below two and a half million dollar attachment points, it's very difficult to find a reinsurance market. I would say on the automobile side specifically, the reinsurance has started to ask a lot more questions than they historically have. And, you know, for your audience, it, it's probably good to understand that dynamic, especially, in the non-owned and hired exposures um, you know we are increasingly needing to provide very accurate headcounts: counts how many people use personal vehicles on company business the exact spend on rental you know rental reimbursements um you know what underlying insurance limits are required for the use of personal vehicles so this will obviously make its way into us as a primary market. So it's good to start gathering that information. It certainly speeds up our ability to respond and the reinsurance market's ability to, uh, to respond. And that does make its way into the umbrella line ultimately too. And it's it's really important to point that out for the bigger white collar risk, like um, you know, big professional services companies, uh, technology businesses that don't have a fleet, but that do have an extensive use of personal vehicles or use of rental vehicles.
0: Oh, that was great. Now, what I want to do for the, for the remainder of the podcast is give both of you the opportunity to, to talk about why agents should be going to CNA for their middle market needs and what industries you want to focus on. And, and you can give a quick definition of whether you're middle market definition is exposure-driven or premium-driven?
1: Yeah, I'll start off with just how we view middle market on the whole, then I'll hand it off to Dieter to go into you know, each of the industries and our appetite and value propositions. So I think I mentioned at the beginning of the call that we took that important step of carving construction out. Construction is our largest industry vertical. Um, the brand is very strong. and uh, now under the, the very fine leadership of Song Kim. But what this did is allowed Dieter and I to specialize solely on middle market with middle market dedicated underwriters. So in the past, our underwriters may have been 50% construction and 50% all other industries, which is, it's a lot, right? If we want them to be specialists, we want them to have that deep industry expertise that that you would expect of a specialist, they were simply spread too thin. So now, those middle market dedicated underwriters can really dive deep on the industries where we wanna grow. We also decided not to specifically define middle market in maybe a traditional way. So, you know, we looked at revenue thresholds, we looked at premium thresholds and at the end of the day, we decided it really didn't matter. What mattered to us was your perspective. If you consider a client to be a middle market client, perhaps they are seeking multiple lines of coverage from a single carrier. Um, They don't have a risk manager. They're relying on you to fill that role. You know, and you consider that to be a middle market client, we will follow suit, and we'll have a full suite of capabilities, which Dieter will get into, to serve that client. So you don't have to worry about keeping up with, you know, whatever our latest premium or revenue or payroll threshold is for middle market. And then finally, you know, once we've got those dedicated middle market underwriters, um, you know, under our wing we really focused on two areas. One, developing multi-industry expertise for our underwriters so that they can be truly opportunistic across a wide array of industries and exposures, even beyond you know, the ones that Dieter's gonna walk you through. We want them to be entrepreneurial. We want them to be solution-oriented. Um, and then the second piece of that was, you know, how do we further hone our single industry expertise in those areas where the marketplace dictates that level of specialization. That would be places like technology, life sciences, or FI. So we have underwriters specifically dedicated to those industries. So with that Dieter, I'll I'll pause and and let you go into uh, each of the areas.
2: Thank you, Julie. Um, I think before I talk about specific industries, I, I do like to point out that we, also certainly seek individual opportunities that may not fall cleanly into any of these buckets that I'll be laying out for you. So, um, you know, there could be geographic nuances or unique opportunities that don't exist across the country. And our underwriters and our field operation are well equipped to seek those out together with you and explore them. And, you know, we certainly provide assistance um, in researching those. So I don't, want this to come across as a limiting, but it, it is certainly uh, pointing out where we already have expertise, experience and, and dedication to these um, to these larger industry groupings. So let me start off by uh, listing our single largest and that would be the manufacturing book. So our manufacturing book is a little bit more than a quarter of our total middle market writings. Um, you know, I joint CNA to start the manufacturing segment and uh, I could probably add another hour to this <laughs> to this conversation just to get into the depth of our manufacturing book but uh, uh, in a short way it is very much focused around our ability to underwrite individual product liability exposures understand the risk understand the controls there Place in the supply chain, and with that we've been able to expand into industrial machinery and their components into the automotive industry and uh, the motor vehicle component suppliers so our whole focus is far more in what some people call the advanced manufacturing industries where you know where we view the future of manufacturing in this country to be um, our next largest would be technology and our technology book is sort of what you would expect from a traditional technology definition. So it's very heavy on software developers, consultants, data processing, but we also have a good amount of tech manufacturing. A lot of that is computer equipment and peripherals. The next largest group, and I would kind of maybe bucket it into the quote unquote white collar segments, and that is, Driven by our broad appetite in financial institutions, so we we really are a writer of uh, depository institutions, of um, you know asset managers, life and health insurance companies, as well as PNC carriers. Um, and that is, you know, we're in a great spot there. We also have a very good ability to entertain professional liability and D and O coverages in our specialty unit. And on the professional services side, in addition to your traditional white collar businesses like consultants, accountants, and lawyers, we also have a very big practice of architects and engineers. By all accounts, we're probably the second largest write of that business in the US, uh, and it matches up really good with our specialty capabilities of entertaining professional liability. And uh, you know, we feel we have a very unique spot in that industry and you know we will write pretty much anything from a small architect- architectural firm to a large you know engineering firm with uh, thousands of employees so it's it's a very broad appetite and i encourage you to talk to your underwriters about that business another newer development for us is uh, cultural institutions we started that about two years ago and uh, we're now on course to double that business again for the second year in a row Um, and by that I mean uh, art galleries museums uh, we do entertain you know aquariums so it's it's been a really nice nice fresh take for us on that business and uh, you know we found some real good traction in a lot of marketplaces a real estate I certainly can't forget about that you know our real estate book is growing double digits right now Uh, our new business is well above prior years Um, you know our rate increases price change is is significant with improving retention so we're very pleased with the performance of that book and our emphasis there is primarily on on office exposures and light industrial um, you know, we do have a wholesale distribution business that really aligns itself to our manufacturing appetite. We don't really view that as all that different in the types of businesses that we pursue. And then, uh, you know, we, we have a couple areas that are not necessarily defined by the industry, but one would be defined by the ownership and that's our private equity unit that we stood up last year. So we have dedicated underwriters and their purpose is to work with our producers on finding solutions for portfolio companies of private equity firms. Um, and that business is, uh, you know, we knew we had some of that business in our book, but we're finding it's actually a much more significant impact than we had imagined. And, and it straddles a lot of industries, but as you can imagine right now, private equity has been very active in manufacturing uh, it's been active in wholesale distribution, um, you know, a little bit in retail. Um, so it does align really well with our appetite and our underwriters are quick to understand how that business is transacted, the type of information they can expect and the speed at which they have to operate. The other area that has been a really nice bonus for us uh, are companies that provide goods and services to the federal government. So well. Uh, we, we call it federal government contractors. Now that terminology sometimes is misleading, that people take it to understand it's only focused on construction business. It is not. It does include construction, but it's actually far more weight at this point in time towards manufacturing and technology risk. And you know, we found a real nice niche for us there. Um, you know, we have the ability to entertain some defense-based air coverage for the workers' compensation and uh, our liability appetite is somewhat broader than you would typically see and you know we've you know i can certainly give you a lot of examples but you know we've really entertained anything from people that provide just sort of your standard services on a base to people who provide components for uh you know for for weaponry so it's it's been a really nice niche for us and it's really been across the country. A lot of it is in the D.C. area, but you know we recently bought business in Arizona, uh, you know, and we're now looking at some business uh, from the Alaska Native um, Corporation. So it's um it's a very broad uh, segment for us and uh, rich in opportunity, obviously.
0: Well, thanks for that uh, that recap, Dieter. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, And Julie, Dieter, I thank you very much for joining us today. We look forward to to working and writing more business with CNA.
2: And we hope to see all of you in person soon. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Charlie. We're very pleased to be here.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of Charlie's Corner, brought to you by Iroquois Group. I am Edwin K. Morris, and I invite you to join us for the next edition of the Trusted Advisor Podcast.